0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Betterwell Channel. I'm here with Dom. It's been a while. This has been a highly request video. We're going to be looking at four policies. The first policy is going to be fully based. There's a lot of people out there that say life insurance is a terrible place to put your money, and we will show you why they're 100% right. Then we're going to show you a 3070. We're going to explain what that means in a second. Then we're going to show you a 1783. We'll explain that in a second. And then we're going to do a 1090, which a lot of people on the internet are like, 1090s are the best. And we're going to look at the pros and cons of every design. And you will be a life insurance guru at the end of this video. And whether you're an advisor, an agent, or whether you're in the space seeing, is this policy right for me? Hopefully, this video is very educational. And this video would not be possible without the and asset and... My partner here, Dom. So thank you for being here, man. Yeah, and I
1: can't wait to be a guru after this video <laughs> myself. I, I learn something new every day, and so this is going to be another one of those days.
0: This is better well Caleb Williams. I'll also say that we did a video like this a couple years ago in what we call now the dungeon. It was literally like a closet that we put some lights in and so hopefully you can appreciate the backdrop and with that we're going to jump right in to the numbers. So When we talk about 100% base, a life insurance policy is built using really three type of components, if I'm going to simplify it. Component number one is the base. This is what is like the foundation. This is what usually is like the foundational uh, aspect when you look at life insurance. Then when you look at PUA, that's when you get early cash value. And also in most cases, PUA is totally flexible. And so you get flexibility, early cash value, and better long-term growth. And then you could add a term rider, which just allows you to fit in a more PUA to not MAC and make the contract taxable. In this scenario, we're just looking at a hundred percent base. We're not looking at PUA or term. And as you can see, we're showing $50,000 going in, so $50,000 going in and a cash value of zero with a $3.9 million death benefit. First year, we've put $50,000 in and we have $3.9 million of death benefit to show for it, but we have absolutely zero cash value to show for it. On year three, you've put a total of $150,000, and now you finally have $25,000 of cash value to show for it. You can see the death benefit pretty much stays level. You can see that it continues to grow. This break even is year 12, meaning that we have more cash value. You can see here, you have more cash value, 600. dollars and $24,000 of cash value and you've put in 600,000 and so it takes 12 years to do what we call capitalize your death benefit is a little bit higher it's four point we'll just say 4.3 million dollars and you can see Dom, why a lot of people are like life insurance is a horrible place to put your money you've put in a hundred thousand dollars you have nothing to show for it you have a death benefit that matters to some families more than others. But overall, you can see why this is not very attractive. And very few people online would be like, yeah, I love that. That, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm starting to become a
1: little bit more mature in my walk, I would say, with, with life insurance. I say that from a faith standpoint, <laughs> because I have a very strong relationship with Christ. But when it comes to my walk in the insurance industry, I've kind of flip-flopped back and forth in regards to how I want to talk and position about life insurance and the cash versus the death benefit. And I would have demonized something like this very heavily early on in my career. And now I'm from the camp and understand that this isn't necessarily good or bad. This is just has a specific purpose. And this specific purpose potentially is focused on the death benefit for someone like an estate plan or that wants a permanent death benefit for as much death benefit as possible. But if you were on this channel and you were subscribed to the better channel, odds are you are not wanting to look at the death benefit as your number one priority and goal. Now you understand that it's important and it's a value add to your life passed down from a legacy perspective, but you are somebody that wants to live an intentional life today and while you're alive and to use the cash value for other purposes to build wealth.
0: Yeah, I think that was well put. And also, while you're watching this, make sure to take notes because we're going to be comparing year 20 because I think there's wisdom in looking long-term, but not super long-term. So never look at an illustration over 50 years because at the end of the day, I can guarantee you, which is a dirty word in our space, but I can guarantee you that the illustration is not going to be close to the projection. It could, your cash could, and death benefit could be higher than what your illustration looks like, or it could be lower, but it's one of those things where we should, there's wisdom in looking out but there's also wisdom in not looking out too far because a lot of times someone can suck you in by saying, oh, look at 40, 50 years. And there are there can be a lot that happens in the next 40, 50 years. And I would never do something for a 50-year outcome. And if that outcome didn't happen the way I think it was gonna happen, it would ruin the, everything. That's just something that, you need. We need to be careful when we're looking long-term to understand that time is a factor.
1: Yeah, I would say the main reasons why is the economic environment changes from year to year. If you even just look a year ago, the interest rate environment was an extreme low. We're gonna talk about how the interest rate environment has impacted the overall whole life insurance industry and the insurance industry in general. And typically when the insurance industry is suffering from a lower interest rate environment, they can't produce as great results in their investment portfolios. So their dividends have to be smaller. And therefore, when interest rate environment is higher, they can produce greater results, which can produce higher dividend. And so if interest rates stay up high and go keep going higher, that these actual performances will be better than yep. future. And that's why if you actually look at a lot of the illustrations from way back in the day, they were showing a projected number and they're actually higher than they were actually projected, which is great. I think that could be a pro bono advantage. And also insurance companies are going to change their investment portfolio and what they're investing in. Some will invest in more riskier things or more invest in bonds and things will change based off of where they think that their dollars are best used. And that can change today as it could change 50 years from now, just like for you, what you're investing today is going to change 50 years from now as well.
0: I think it's also fair to say that anything can change, but we're showing illustrations that are pretty low interest rate environment and so overall these projections are conservative they it may be worse but there's a good chance that they will they'll be close or better performance in the long run based on the time that we're running these illustrations yeah so so
1: what we also like about this in general though, is there's a really good likelihood they'll at least be close because there's a guaranteed piece into it that in whole life insurance that you don't get with other insurance products. And
0: hence why we show a lot of examples with whole life because one of the core elements that we talk about is life insurance shouldn't be your investment. And so if we're gonna show numbers, let's show something that's going to be somewhat more accurate than a potential projection using arbitrage. And so that's a whole nother video, but you can see over year 20, cause we're gonna look at the four policies and look at year 20. If we look at year 20, you've put in a million dollars and you have $1.4 million of cash value with a total death benefit of 4.9 million. As you're watching this, make sure to like take note, $1 million contributed, 1.4 million of cash value and $4.9 million of death benefits. To summarize, this fully based policy is not something that we would sell a lot of. It's not what a lot of people would be raising their hands, but you can look out even after 20 years, you could make the argument that life insurance would be a benefit for your portfolio. You have a permanent death benefit of almost $5 million that would get passed on income tax-free and a non-volatile, non-correlated, safe, asset that has special tax advantages. You can see where even if someone sold this, they would say, okay, over long term, this is a good, is a good policy. Anything else you want to say before we jump on?
1: Policy? Yeah, no, I think what you said at the very end is it may not be the sexiest thing or the desired result, but it is a result that still can produce fantastic results.
0: Okay. Now we're going to look at a 3070. And now it's my understanding, Dom, that we're not using the term writer here, but we are using PUA and base correct. Okay. And so when I say 30, it's we're saying that 30% is the base and 70% is what's going to the PUA. And you'll see in this example, you'll see a couple of differences. And so instead of first year having a total goose egg, you have a total of $33,000 of cash value versus 1. You have $33,000 of cash value versus 0. And you have a total death benefit instead of 3.9 million You have a death benefit of 1.2 so the big difference is the trade-off of permanent death benefit versus early cash value and that really comes down to when you're buying when you're using paid up additions you're going to see that the death benefit is going to increase more significantly long term but early on the initial death benefit is a lot smaller
1: yeah, and of your fifty thousand dollar premium, just think of it—it's got to go somewhere, right? And that's just saying a percentage of it. Thirty percent is going to the base, which is cost of insurance, essentially. And The other seventy percent is going directly to cash. And that's why you can see that the thirty-three thousand four hundred thirty-one is close to about seventy thousand. Now, there's a PUA charge up front as well that actually gets smaller as time goes on after year one. But you can see if you did the math, thirty-three thousand four thirty-one divided by fifty thousand, it gets you probably right under seventy percent.
0: And this has a. Br- Break even of year seven, which again, break even means we've put in $350,000 and we actually have more cash value to show for it. We're going to see at the end of this video that break even is not the only factor that you should care about. We're going to show you at the end a policy that breaks even earlier. And a lot of you would choose a different policy. It's like the hook to stay around because a lot of times people come to us and they'll be like, this is all I care about, break even, because that's what they see on the internet. And again, break even matters. If you cancel this policy, you actually have more money than what you've put in. That's awesome. But break even doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. So in year 10, we've put in half a million. We have 580 of cash value with a death benefit of 2.4. You can see that it's grown. And then when you look at year 20, you have put that million in and you have 1.6 million of cash value and a death benefit of 4 million. So if you compare that to the base, we've had we had 1.4 million of cash value in the fully base contract with a death benefit of still 4.9. So in the fully base contract, you have a higher death benefit still, which is a value that's an asset. But overall, the cash value is more than 200,000. You have way more flexibility, meaning you don't have to in the fully base contract, you have to pay the base contribution until your policies capitalized to give you options here the base is 30% of 50 which creates more flexibility and you can see that you have early cash value where after year 1 or 2 you could very much pay the base in different type of ways
1: yeah and a really smart play is even though the base is 30 70 versus the other one 100% base and the death benefit here is a third less than the other one a really savvy strategy that we can do is we can put a 30-year term insurance on yourself to cover yourself for the separate death benefit and capitalize on our cash value a whole lot sooner. And then when that 30-year term essentially is non-existent, your death benefits will be pretty close to the 100% base policy and this
0: type of policy. That's a really good ninja trick. All right, now we're going to get into 1783. And if you are OCD, (laughs) you really this really bothers you. Why couldn't we do (laughs) twenty eighty, Dom? Why couldn't we do that?
1: Companies, (laughs) some kinds of companies be like that.
0: The reason is for this for this company, the most efficient design that we could do for this age is seventeen eighty three. So seventeen percent is going to base. 83% is going to PUA and some type of term rider.
1: Yeah. With this policy, the 17% is actually going to the base and the term rider, which is why the, it's so funky is essentially the term riders in there. And then the term rider component makes the, in the previous one, there was no term rider. So we're able to get a cleaner.
0: And so what this is really representing is the actual contribution that you have to make early on. Correct. Okay. So it's, it's one of those, I appreciate you mentioning that. It's a combination of base and term, but what we're saying is those have to be paid early on to make sure that the policy is in good order. And you'll find that after year one, you could easily do that, even if you couldn't do out of pocket because you have enough cash value in the policy. So we're we're looking at $50,000 going in. You have a cash value of 40000 in the first year, which is awesome. And with a total death benefit, of 1.2 million. And you can see that this looks slightly different and it's because of the term rider. You can see that this breaks even in year five, making this break even two years earlier than the 3070. And the year 10 death benefit is 2.5 million with a cash value of 6,600, which overall the cash value in both, this the 600,000 is $20,000 more than the year 10 example for the 3070. And if you look out over year 20, you've put in a million dollars, you have one, $1. $1.6 million of cash value with a death benefit of 4.1. And so overall, this is more attractive from a flexibility standpoint. It's more attractive from an a- end cash value standpoint, but it doesn't, it's not as extreme from the 3070 to 1783 but there's a little bit of flexibility and for people that are looking at this you can see a theme it's hey if death benefit is not up there from a standpoint of hey a permanent death is really important and you want flexibility you want long-term growth usually in many cases if we're sticking with the same company that you like lowering the base creates more flexibility and long-term growth
1: yeah and when caleb says the word flexibility i want to just reiterate in the basic formality of it you have a total amount of premium that you have the ability to contribute, which is $50,000. Based off of the IRS, the IRS will say, okay, this much death benefit, you can put in this much money at your ceiling and then based off of the insurance company, they'll say you have a minimum amount that you're required to contribute. And in very minimal base policy, it was about $8,000 was the minimum that you had to contribute year after year. And then the maximum was 50. So we essentially have a window, a flexible window of contributing $8,000 all the way up to 50, which is great for entrepreneurs and business owners and people that cash flow varies because you may have a great year one year and not a great year another year. And it gives you that ability to contribute in that window.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really important because life happens and we want to make sure that we can maximize our ability to save, to compound and control our money, but we're not creating something that's actually going to be a pain in our side in in the future.
1: Yeah. And then in the 100% base policy, there is no flexibility at all. There's no window at all. It's just, you just have a floor and a ceiling that are the same, same, which essentially was $50,000. Yep. All
0: right. Now we're going to look at a 1090, meaning we're looking at 10% base and term
1: in this scenario, it is a ten percent base with a ninety percent that's going to the term and the PUA.
0: This is why he's the expert and I'm I'm the co-pilot. And so, in in this example, the this is you're going to see you're going to have earlier cash value, but you're going to also see that it looks a little bit different than the examples earlier on, and it's because the company that we showed originally can't do a ten ninety. Like it's my understanding that it would create a MAC for their. Guidelines, and as a result, making the life insurance taxable. And so we actually am switching different companies and you'll see the pros and cons, but I think the caveat is normally if you are with one company, the lower the base, the better. But if you compare company to company, there may be other companies that outperform as you'll see. Even if they're not, if even if they're not a ten ninety, that's
1: a great way to explain it.
0: Okay, so now we're jumping in. We're going to we're going to say, okay, this is a ten ninety. So you're going to put fifty thousand dollars of premium in the first year, and boom. You got forty five thousand dollars of cash value, which, if you remember, is way ahead of the other examples, and your death benefit doesn't even go above a million. Which, and again, a lot of people, this makes sense. Earlier cash value, earlier on. Death benefit is $847,000. we are all good. This break even is in year... Whoa, it's almost in year four. It's almost in year four. <laughs> Can someone donate $130 to this? It would be in year four. But this technically, exam- <clears throat> this break even is year five with $256,000. And so if you compare it to... This policy up here, this also breaks even, but this, the 1090, actually has a little bit more cash value early on. Okay. So it has a little bit more cash value early on. You can look at year 10, you've put in $500,000 of premium. You've put it, you have a total of 581 with a total death benefit of 1.88 million. So this is a great policy. Just want to point that out. Year 20, you have, you've put in a million dollars of premium. And you have $1.4 million of cash value and $3.2 million of death benefit. So I just want to, I want to point out a couple things. People will come to us and all they care about is, hey, I want break-evens as soon as possible. Or I want the earliest cash value early on. And you can see where the 1090, even at a different, it, it, does that. You have earlier cash value, you break even the same year as the 1783, you have $6,000 essentially more cash and it performs well. But I want you to remember at year 10, you have $581,000 of cash value. And in year 20, you have $1.4 million of cash value. You At year 10, your death benefit's one8 And in in year 20, your death benefit's 3.2. And so we're just going to look at this other company that doesn't give you as early cash value. But if you look at year 10, you have $600,000 of cash value, which is, that's a difference. That's a $20,000 difference with a pretty different death benefit outlook, a $2.5 million death benefit. And year 20, you have $1.6 million of cash value with a permanent death benefit of 4.1. So the end result is we're not saying that one design is better. I would never say that a 1783 is the best policy design for you because we're going to have another video that we're going to show you what's called a front load. And if you are sitting on a bunch of cash, there might be some amazing examples for you to actually not even do a policy design like this, but front load a policy and you'll, there's a lot of benefits and pros and cons. I think the key is whenever we work with people, we try to get really crystal clear on what Are you trying to accomplish? Know that life insurance is not the end solution. It's not the end investment. It's the place that you can store and use your capital and hopefully as a tool, be able to help you get closer to the results, get closer to where you want to go. And in some cases, people are like early, that $5,000 of earlier cash value is actually better for me because I would rather have earlier cash value, lower growth long, and because I can flip that money and that end result will be better. And then there's some people that are like, no way, like I would much rather have the, death benefit increase and the cash value increase and i don't necessarily care about the first couple years that difference and that's really it comes down to your situation and we're just showing two examples of two companies but there's multiple different companies that we could add into the mix and the same conversation goes get really clear on what you want and then is the policy best designed to help you accomplish your goals
1: Yeah, and you may be asking, like, why is that the case? Like, why do companies operate so differently? Like, why is one cash value so different than the other and the base P ratios are different? Like, why why is that? There's a ton of factors that come into place, uh, these policies can have a guaranteed value of 2 to 3.75%, and that's a gross number. And so each company will price it differently. There's a different dividend rate, which currently they're around between 5 to 6%. And then those also have a expense and mortality cost to it as well. So every company is gonna operate differently, have different expenses. And on top of that, they're gonna invest in things that are also different. And when you look at some companies, they invest in more riskier assets or putting their money into higher potential returns, they can put project higher values as well. And then on the other side, people are more conservative. And so people are more guaranteed focused or companies are more dividend focused. Some companies have stronger financials. There's just so many different factors that come involved in why companies operate the way they operate. And another thing is some companies are advocating for infinite banking. So therefore they're going to potentially push more cash value up front since that's the way the infinite bankers look. And then some companies may be more on the retirement side and they may want to not have people take cash value loans from against their policy. So therefore they're going to advocate for having longer term cash value versus having short term cash value. So there's just so many differences per company per company. That's why Caleb was saying it's important to figure out your goals and then back it into it that way.
0: So we would love to hear from you. If you have questions, thoughts, different examples that you want Dom and I to explore, please make the comment, uh, tell us in the comments below. We appreciate everyone that subscribes and shares our content and watch out for the next video on front load.